Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. This Satellite Sisters podcast is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters for your free audiobook download. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. We're back. June 24th, the Tuesday show, back in action. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I am joined by my big sister, Julie, in Dallas, Texas. Julie, we took a week off, and uh, we're ready to go, aren't we? We we are, Leanne. We had a wonderful vacation. We plan to tell everyone about it and about the great family wedding we went to. But, uh, yes, I'm excited to be back. Yes, absolutely. Refreshed and renewed. So it's a jam-packed show. We have wedding. We're going to tell you about Satellite Sisters Meetup. We have vacation. Julie refused to tell me a medical emergency yesterday uh, when we actually it's... were just talking. She was like, I'm going to save it. So my interest is piqued. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I, I almost wasn't here, Leon. I really, oh. that, that's all I can say. I am just happy to be alive. Wow. All right. And then after that, we have some important studies. Well, particularly for me, because there are studies about writers. Uh, And if you were not the cool kid in junior high, I have good news for you. And then because it's the Tuesday show and we go deep on shallow topics, Julie has amazing uses for your dishwasher. (laughs) You're not going to believe this, Leanne. It's the one appliance you need. Okay. You don't ever need anything else in your kitchen. Just your dishwasher. (laughs) Right. All right. So that is the Tuesday Satellite Sister Show. But first, okay, Julie, family wedding. Another fantastic Mary McGuire Dolan production. (laughs) Our sister-in-law, Mary, and our lovely niece, Catherine, put together one top-notch wedding. Did they not? From start to finish, I mean, it was an experience. It was an experience, a total experience in the best possible way. First of all, let's just start with the location the, um, that the happy couple got married in Chatham, Massachusetts, which is on the Cape. Now that I now that I've been to the Cape, Leanne, it's on the elbow of the Cape, yes. right? Now we we know yes. this. We know this, and. You know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, spend a lot of time like trying to go to some exotic location for their wedding. I'm telling you, Chatham, Massachusetts, <laughs> that's the place. OK, it's quaint. It's nautical. It's beachy. It was fresh. Everything in the place is shingled. Am I am right? Every, everything. everything. Uh, people, the houses, the churches, uh, the grocery stores, everything is shingled. <laughs> I, the whole town and the people are all art directed. Yes, <laughs> it's just yes. unbelievable. Every, everyone in the town looks like they stepped out of the Lands End catalog. Yeah. Okay, no, it's even like, better. No, yeah, even better. Better than that. better okay. than Lands End. Better than yeah. The I, Jay I, McLaughlin catalog. That's yes. where they stepped out of. Okay, but there's also this sense of sort of stepping back in time mm. when you're in Chatham. If even though it's a popular place, I know it's a vacation area. 
it it has this sort of quaintness. It's old fashioned. The big thing to do in town seems to be to get ice cream. Okay, right. that's a great activity, right? There you go. Yeah. Or you can go watch the Cape Cod Baseball League, and you can sit in the bleachers. I mean, they have they have nice parks. They have, they have lovely beaches. Lovely beaches. The water is cold, but it's clean, and the the sand is nice. And you know, it, everywhere you go, it's chowder, it's cod, it's lobster rolls, yeah. it's fried clams. Uh, so you could oh lighthouses land oh light, light lighthouses a plenty I mean there were three or four it felt like I mean the Chatham light is the big one but plenty of lighthouses for everybody so for everybody who travel I mean other than um, the um, mother and father of the bride though those were the only two people that live in Chatham and everybody else came to this location so it really was a destination wedding and for our family Leon even though. Some of us, some of the older kids, that would be, I would be in the older set of Dolan children. We did have some early trips to Cape Cod that I kind of vaguely remember. I don't think you ever went to Cape Cod. Never. No, that was my first time on the Cape. Never. Heard about it for years. Just never, never went there. So I was was shocked how beautiful it was. It was really (laughs) Now I understand why people say, oh, we're going to go to the Cape for a week. Yeah. Okay. Good idea. Good idea. That's, that is really positive. So they had a great location. They had miraculous weather because it is June and it's on the Cape and it can be dicey at this time of year. This is what we've heard. This is what we were all prepared for. I came with umbrellas and, you know, and fleece and uh, and raincoats thinking that it might not be so warm for this wedding. And it was dicey on Friday when we arrived and people were there. It was it was like a nor'easter blowing through. I mean, sheets of rain. I believe that's the phrase Monica used 100 times. Sheets of rain on Friday. It was shingling. The rain was actually <laughs> shingling. That's how it was coming down. Yes. <laughs> uh, we were going to self-shingle. Uh, so we could attend the wedding. And then uh, and then Saturday morning broke, a little cloudy, a little cool. But by the time the wedding rolled around, it looked like the clouds were out of there. And then by the time the, the priest said grace, honestly, before dinner, the sun broke through. Like the minute we said grace, it was a, it was a wedding miracle. Yeah, it was amazing. And all right, so let's just talk about this couple. Yeah. Are they not the most sincere couple? I know. They're so nice. I know. They are just so (laughs) nice. I know people say that about every couple, but the the qualities of these two individuals, I I mean, sincerity, niceness, kindness, this, 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 this really exemplifies them. And they've been dating for a long time. uh, And so... Everybody was excited that they were getting married. For me, one of the great moments was when they were first wed by the priest and they, you know, the priest turned around, Father Allen turned around and said, I'd like to introduce the, you know, the, you know, the new couple and they both cheered. Yeah, they were, that was really, it was a great, great moment of, you know, for them. So that was, that was great. And then the reception location, again, um, our sister-in-law, I mean, really, she should, now that her two daughters are married, 
um, and she's retired from her legal career. I believe she should go into the wedding planning business. I think, I, I think she's done it. I, I think she's done it. I I know she should. She has binders full of information, notebooks to pass on. But I think she feels like, okay, now I would fully like to retire because there was no downtime. Her first right. daughter got married last August, and then boom, a week later, they were on the Cape tracking down locations. There was no downtime after wedding number one. But she did an amazing job because the location reception, again, somebody called the art director because it just was unbelievable. A beautiful house on the water, not their house, somebody else's house that they rented. The tent was fully in action. It was was little white lights, charming bars. Julie, did you notice that boat full of beer? That was... (laughs) Loved it. There, there was, there was no. I mean, the whole thing. Every, everywhere you went, there was a nice little touch. I mean, the, telling you which table you went to, you got these beautiful little candles uh, from Alex and Catherine. You know, I mean, it was a little bit chilly in the evening. So, oh, miracle of miracles! There was a basket full of coordinated colors of pashminas <laughs> that you could just put on. So. Nobody had to be chilly and you were, didn't have to worry about your high heels sinking into the grass because you could either slip into some flip-flops uh, that were, again, provided very discreetly in a nice little basket or these other little heel stopper things that I, I don't know where our sister-in-law got them, but you put them on the bottom of your high heels and you don't sink into the grass. And let's Every- just say it. Was that the finest porta potty you have ever seen in it, your entire life? I, I was hoping <laughs> to rent it next summer for as a vacation home. Because this porta potty, I mean, it was there was wainscoting in the in the porta potty. They had beadboard in there, Leanne, and and then again the amenities: the bug spray, the hand towels, the wipes, the mints, the um, combs. I mean, the, anything that you could possibly want was in this porta potty. As, as our niece Ruthie said, I think the porta potty is bigger than my entire apartment in New York. It's I know it's nicer. And the color inside the porta party was Cape Cod blue. I mean, it was a spectacular yeah. color. And it was shingled. Wasn't that porta potty shingled it was. as well? It was shingled, Julie. They shingled the porta potty. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then the wedding, the food was delicious. Oh, my gosh. Was- the food was incredible. More cod, more more delicious Cape Cod cod because you can't get enough of it. And if you've never had Cape Cod cod, you should you should immediately book a flight to uh, to Boston and go drive and have some because it's a delicious white flaky fish that um, has never tasted as good as it did on that Saturday. And then the piece de resistance was not a wedding cake but wedding pie. So Marion's Pies on Cape Cod, apparently very famous. I don't know. They brought out that pie. And my teenage sons, well, Brooks had six pieces pieces of pie. There was a lot of pie talk at the wedding reception. Like people were like, ooh, did you try the strawberry rhubarb? No, but have you had the key lime pie? So people, there was a lot of multiple pie eating, Leanne. It was delicious and served with just some fantastic ice cream. But of course they had a live band. And this is a big moment for the Dolans because we, we really consider ourselves the dancing Dolans. Yeah. So we, we, when, once the music starts, 
everybody gets up on the dance floor and we do not relinquish the dance no. floor. We no. hold our position. You and your husband in particular mm-hmm. are a sort of a core member of the uh, dancing Dolans because you two are quite extravagant dancers. Would that be a fair way to describe? Yeah, you know, it? we we are confident and comfortable on the dance floor and we yes. like to we like to shake it. We like yeah, to they shake have it. moves. They quite they have some moves. So, I mean, little did we, you know, I I had kind of, I have to say, lower expectations for the Swedes from Minnesota. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just say we have Minnesotans in the family now. Yes. But they came ready to party, Julie. The Swedes were out of control on that dance they were, floor. They were, I really, we met our match on the dance floor, Leanne. I mean, the Swedes could move. They could tap. They, they had a lot of fancy footwork. I thought their footwork, in fact, exceeded the dancing Dolans. <laughs> well, it, at one point, I don't know if you saw my husband and the father of the groom doing a dance-off. That was, <laughs> there was a dance-off. There was a prearranged yeah. dance-off. So yeah. uh, that was uh, memorable. I'm sure. I'm sure they got a picture. I'm sure it'll be in the movie. <laughs> there was a lot of energy on that dance floor all night long. The band was great, and people just danced. They just danced and ate pie and celebrated. And right? they drank a boatload of beer because the, <laughs> I guess at the end of the night, I went to have like the one beer I normally have a year, and yeah. we were out of beer. I was like, how to be? So that's what you get when you get a, a boatload of beer. They drank it because it was a hot night and people were dancing it off. No, it was a fantastic event, and no one had a better time than the bride and the groom, which is, right. I always think, the best sign of a wedding. People were happy to be there, and they were the happiest people there, which was yes. lovely, lovely to see. I know. Can we just say how beautiful no. our niece Catherine looked? Now, she kept, this was her thing, that she kind of kept it a surprise what her wedding dress was going to be. She didn't even share it with her bridesmaids, that she really just kind of wanted it to be a surprise that when she walked down the aisle... And I, I, there were gasps. Yeah, she when she started down the aisle with my with our brother Jim. I mean, I, she. It's hard to describe. It was sort of a very simple, elegant sort of nineteen twenties, a slightly beaded uh, gown. She looked better than Pippa Middleton. <laughs> Julie, you called it. She I know. rocked the back of that dress. She looked like Pippa Middleton. Sit down, yeah. sit down, because our our niece Catherine's coming down the aisle, and she is killing it. Yeah, in this she was dress. killing it. She killed it in that dress. Yeah, and it no, was she... the very first dress she tried on. Oh, she no. tried on a total of four dresses. She tried on this one, three others, and she's like, "I'll take the first dress," and that was it. So that's a girl after my own heart. She knew exactly what she wanted. So it was. She looked fantastic. As did the groom, I have to say, very handsome in a blue suit and a yes. clean shaven. So he looked great. <laughs> I had never seen him without a beard. So when I first saw him on the altar, I thought, is that his brother? Who is that? <laughs> Just... Good work, Liam. Good well, work to identify. I had group. heard the brother looked a lot like him. So I yes. thought, oh, there's the that looks like Alex, but with no beard. Huh? So there you go. No, they looked great. And again, no one was having a better time or happier to be there than they were. It was fantastic. And it was, you know, it was an interesting age span. So the youngest person at the wedding was my grandson, Peter, six months old. He had a blast. He was on the dance floor most of the night. Did you see him? In the the Snuggie. In the baby Bjorn. Oh, it was was fantastic. Like dancing, wiggling and um, shaking his arms. And uh, the groom's grandmother, who was in her 90s, was there as well. So we had, you know... 
for all ages, it was just a spectacular, wonderful, sincere, lovely, you know, great wedding. Incredible, yeah. incredible times. So. What are we going to do next year? This we had like a good run of family weddings. What next year? Where are we going to show up? I don't know, Liam. I'm, I'm not. I'm not certain. I, it's, it's. It's. It is. It is a big letdown. But for us, it wasn't really, I mean, as, as happy as we were about the wedding and sort of this, sort of the sadness on that Sunday that the wedding, you know, that people were heading, heading back and that the wedding was over and, you know, we had what, we didn't know what we had to look for, but Lee and we had the satellite sisters had something to look forward to on that Sunday, Father's Day, the day after the wedding. We had the big meetup at Brax Landing. It was arranged by Pam. Pam, thank you so much. You did a fantastic job. It was a perfect location. You wrangled those tables. The weather was spectacular. And Julie, I would say there were about, well, there were all five of us, which we we didn't know who was going to show, who wasn't going to show. Sheila was confused about her tickets, but on the day of the event... All five of us got in the same car together, which I don't know, has it been since like 1983 since that's happened? I know. I think while we were in the car and we were driving to Brax Landing, I said, well, maybe we should talk about something momentous because all five of us are together. Absolutely no uptake on that. No. People ignored me. They ignored my comment, right? But we got there. and very helpful. Yeah. Yes. People were... People were there. It was fantastic. There were about 25 people total, and we just took over this beautiful outdoor patio at Brax Landing and had a fine two hours just talking about, I don't know what, the show and favorite episodes and what's happening. I liked learning about other people's lives and their stories mm-hmm. and what they had going on with work and family and fun and vacations and lots of suggestions about how we should spend our time on the Cape. But people came from all over. I mean, Nancy came up. She was there from South Carolina, I think. She was going to visit her sister. Uh, so she was there the on the Cape. Connecticut. Right. Well, you and the other thing is you can spot a satellite sister at about 50 yards. Right. I mean, that as they came into the restaurant, some of the waiters and the bar staff, they were just directing these women out out to the patio. Right. We we could just tell our people. I mean, that everybody was laughing. We were having a you know, we were having a great time. I mean, thanks. A big thanks to Pam yeah. for, you know, taking the leadership on that. But I loved it that people brought your books, Leanne, for you to sign. That was really yeah. charming. Renee brought her daughter, yeah. Michelle, and I was I, able to that, sign two books for her, who's 14. I loved that. That really made me happy. There was a Satellite Sisters book there. Who had the Satellite Sisters book and wanted all five sisters to sign it? Some We did that oh, for did. somebody. Yeah, I don't know. And then Beth brought pictures from her trip uh, to South Africa. She goes there quite a bit. And so there was there was a lot of sharing, only a little drinking, a lot of sharing. A A couple of Cape Codders. I had the beer that I was denied a few glasses of wine, but everyone was in control. It was just for fun. It was just a really fun, beautiful day. And people had made a huge effort driving from Cambridge and and Connecticut, as you said, Julie, all over the place. It was really, really enjoyed meeting everyone. And there were some great pictures. So thank you all for <laughs> taking those pictures. Yes, we look good. I, and, I, and I really was very proud with the group. They lined up very nicely, Leanne. You know, they really sort of 
tucked in so we could get as many people as possible in the pictures. And and it's uh, it's very motivating. And who knows where we're going to do our next meetup. But I think we should do another one because it was really, really fun. Right. Well, people did say, come here, come there. And again, you have to understand, for us, it's those things um, get expensive. So uh, we just all happen to be on the Cape. So it's not like we don't want to go other places. But again, <laughs> I, I just want to tell people, I would encourage you, as I said this on the book tour a lot, like, if you have an organization that's looking for speakers and they can pay for travel and things like that, that's super helpful because otherwise that's just expense that comes out of our pocket. So, um, and I, you know, people are, are teachers and nurses and things like that, but it's not that we don't want to come other places, just we happen to all be there. And so it worked out. So, uh, and I have to say it was really fun. It was really fun. All right. So, Leon, but you, um, I, uh, I, we stayed on for a couple of days and we had some great family vacation time together, which was, I enjoyed that with, uh, with the, several of the brothers and sisters and their families stayed on after the wedding. And, and we had some, we had some good times, but then what, what else did you do on your vacation? Well, then I drove up to, um, my, my husband has an uncle that lives in Maine that we don't see a lot. And you know, we're Californians. So it, it was in, like Cape Cod and Maine are not really that close. Uh, but it, <laughs> so, just for the record, if you're listening to this going, what? Um, it was 250 miles, but we thought, well, you know, we're here. We don't know when we'll be back on the East Coast again now that the weddings appear to have dried up for a while. We hear your dog in the background. I know. Okay. It's just fine. Okay. It's just fine. She did, she did well with the dog sitter. Uh, she did just fine with Gabe. Um, so, uh, so we drove to Maine. We saw my husband's uncle. And then we um, drove over and spent two nights with an old camp friend of mine, my camp friend, Courtney, who listens to the show. Hey, Courtney. And uh, who lives in Moscow, Russia, but spends all of her summers in Maine. And that was just a hoot. And it was just fantastic to be, it's something to be someone's friend for that long. We met when we were 11, you know, or in junior camp at, at Wyanagonic in Denmark, Maine. So, and I've gotten to know her whole family over the years and they were all there. They all sort of come to this town in Maine and they have their own thing, but they spend summers together. So we had an absolutely fantastic time and it wraps up, Julie, what I'm calling my two-year lobster tour of the East Coast <laughs> because <laughs> last year, I would just like to thank my friends and family members for um, having the foresight and the resources to buy homes in fantastic vacation spots because last year we were in Connecticut for Megan's wedding, but before that we went to East Hampton, we went to Sag Harbor, and we went to Block Island. And Ooh. then this year we had Cape Cod and the coast of Maine. All of which, Julie, are a lobster-based economy, I think is fair to say. And yes. I just think life is better with lobsters, you know? That is true, Lynn. I mean, that, that is one delicious tasting thing, whether in a lobster roll or lobster, or steamed lobsters, pretty much any way you want to serve I had lobster. lobster tacos one day on the beach. That was great. I mean, the first night we arrived in the Cape, Liz had organized a clam bake. She hired people. Don't worry. Liz wasn't actually baking any clams, people. Her but digging. she hired the right people, Lynn, and it was we had a lot of fun at that clam bake. We had, I had lobster the first night. The last night I was in Maine, we were at a family birthday 
birthday party. There were lobsters on the grill. In between, there were many lobsters. Julia almost bought a piece of uh, lobster artwork. I don't have any decorative lobsters. Really? So, okay. Okay. So I, just I mean, think- that's one of those things where I'm not sure it's going to look as good in Pasadena, California, I- as it would. You just don't have enough shingles going on. I know. We have yeah. that one Cape Cod blue wall out back. So I was thinking if I just hung it there, it would just be a touch of Lobsterville. Um, but <laughs> I often get asked, like, do you miss the East Coast? And I, I only miss, ironically, the summers because mm-hmm. I live in the land of perpetual summer, but right. I don't live on the water and I don't live near any lobsters. And <laughs> so what I realize is like summers on the East Coast are very special or in other parts of the country where they have winter. Uh, yes. They are yeah. very special. And that's what I miss the most. So I was very sad getting on the plane, very melancholy uh, because I've had this fantastic two year tour of lobster land. And now I am back and you know, it's lovely here, but uh we are lacking lobsters and we are lacking water. So I want to thank everybody who's put us up over the last two years. Uh, I've had a fantastic time. Come to California anytime. We have fantastic tacos. Okay. We rule on the taco front. So come to California. But I was a little sad, a little sad coming home. That is true, Leanne. I think something is very special um, in in Cape Cod, for example, the summer's there. It's a special time of year. Right. Yeah. You know, it's hot here in Texas in the summer. So it's not quite as special a time. We have some other times of year in the fall, in the spring. You just can't beat it. You know, right. So, uh, right. Right. But so uh, I, I can understand that, Lee. And so I guess, well, it's a good good news for you that you have identified lobster as being sort of key to your vacation happiness. <laughs> yes. And that's you just true. sort of keep that in mind. So <laughs> that, That's true. And I had we had, you know, we headed home a little or a couple of days earlier, flew from Boston uh, to Dallas on American Airlines flight 226. I just want to mention that. And I got off the plane, Leon, and I had like a small, like, I thought it was I had uh, like an eyelash in my eye, my left eye. And I and I thought, oh, that's strange. And it kept sort of itching and everything like that. But, you know, we were, it's a long, it's a long trip to travel from Cape Cod pretty, pretty much to any location. <laughs> right. <laughs> At Route 6 is, uh, uh, there's some room for improvement there. But, uh, but nonetheless, None that I do. I don't. I don't want to uh, criticize uh, Cape Cod at all. Um, so by by Friday morning, when I woke up, Leanne, my whole left side of my face was all swollen. My eye was like swollen shut. Um, Are you kidding? And, no, I'm not kidding. So I thought, well, you know, I was doing some self diagnosis because this is what you do. I, I was like. It can't be pink eye. So I had just eliminated pink eye as a possibility because, A, I didn't want it to be pink eye. I didn't want it to be contagious. I certainly didn't want to go to the doctor. So I just identified it as a bug bite. I said, I must have been bitten by something. You know, a mis- you know maybe there was a bug on the flight or something, and that's I'm just having a little reaction. So I take a little Benadryl thinking, you know, it's, yeah. that's going to, that's just going to, to happen, I'll work it out. Now, the other thing I'm doing this summer, um, Lynn, is uh, I am, I've come off injured reserve. You know, I broke my wrist <laughs> last October. I know we're sick about talking about it, but I'm trying to start to play tennis again. And oh, so good. I'm playing I'm on an indoor summer league, indoor league. You play inside in the summer in Texas because it's too hot to play outside. It's dangerously hot. So, uh, so it's sort of the reverse of what you would find in other parts of the country. So I, we had uh, like, 
like a must attend team meeting. Okay. This uh, competitive league. So I thought, well, I'll just go to practice, but because I have this bug bite in my eye, I'll wear sunglasses. That way nobody will notice that anything is going wrong, but I'm inside. Okay, So just knowing what I know about allergic reactions, like the worst thing you can do is exercise with one. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, okay. See, well, again, well, this is, uh, you know, I'm doing my own right. diagnosis. <laughs> I am, I'm providing my own cure. So I show up at tennis practice and I have my sunglasses on and I'm wearing a visor down low thinking I'll just low profile. Nobody will notice. And one of the other members of my team is an ophthalmologist. And, you know, Lee, and we talked about this on the show about free medical advice, yes. you know, she she took one look of, at me in the sunglasses. Okay? Yeah. It's like, so what's the matter with your eye? And I said, oh, I just got a bug bite. It's nothing. She said, may I take a look? And so I took my glasses off. Apparently, I had like red streaking marks coming down my face and going up in my eye area. She said, no, this is, you know, she said, first of all, this is, this is, that's the big lie that everybody who comes to an ophthalmologist and doesn't want to, you know, like come to, come to grips with the fact that they have a pink eye or conjunctivitis, they always say it's a bug bite. And she said about, you know, 99 cases out of a hundred, it's never a bug bite. Okay. So she said, you do not have a bug bite. You have cellulitis. Have you ever heard of this? No. Cellulitis. Well, I hadn't, it's like a skin infection. It's sort of similar to a, like a staph infection. Oh my and gosh. She said, oh my gosh, Leon. Yes. She said, you need to, you need to come into my office this afternoon that, you know, because that can be that can become very serious that, you know, left untreated. It's, it is an infection, you know, because of where it is, um, you know, it's near vital organs. That would be your brain. Brain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now I think I'm going to like get the brain eating disease, right? Right. I'm trying, you know, yeah. Well, how about that Leanne? So yes, I, I I had, I did have conjunctivitis in addition to the cellulitis, but uh, I wasn't going to go to the doctors, you know, and you know why? Because I was like, I don't want to go to the doctors because I've been at this wedding eating 18 pieces of pie and oh. lobster and I don't want to get on the scale. You know, you know how they, you know, know. always make you get on We're the... stupid. Women I are know, stupid. Aren't we dumb, but that yeah. really was like, I didn't even want to go to like a dock in the box, you know, I, because I thought, oh, I'm going to have to get on the scale and that's going to be ugly. So um, I was just doing the self-diagnosis. But in fact, I was close to death, Leanne. Well, maybe not death, but you know, I mean, it could have gotten, you You know, it's- an How'd infection. you get the pink eye? Did someone have it at the wedding? No, I don't know. The I, don't know I don't know. No, they don't have it. I, I think I got it on flight 226. Yeah. Oh, that's why you, <laughs> that's that's why you mentioned it. That's why I mentioned the name of yeah. the flight. Yeah. 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 So wow. Oh, and is it going away? Because pink yes, eye is and, hard to actually. I, yes, I'm on antibiotics now, and it's all it's clear it's cleared up. But uh, it's just uh, good to know. So a couple important lessons: the, the self diagnosis isn't really not that effective. Um, uh, don't go with the bug bite excuse if your eye turns pink. It's probably not a bug bite, and uh, you know. And I don't know. Just wash your hands more if you're on flight two two six. So. Yeah. Oh, Julie. I well, it's a good thing that ophthalmologist is in your tennis group. I know. I I really was not going to go to the dentist. I, I to the doctors. Yeah. I really was just going to sort of, you know, take some Benadryl and pre- pre- pretend that it was a bug bite, even though, <laughs> even though it wasn't. Okay. Good work. Good work. 
Um, all right. Speaking of medical studies, uh, uh, actually, this is a sort of a, a social science study I saw in the New York Times today. And this is good news. The headline was oh, good. cool. Well, <laughs> it's good news if you weren't cool in junior high. All right. Okay, that so, would be me. I qualify in that category. <laughs> cool at 13, adrift at 23. Right. So it's an interesting study that they did. A psychology professor at the University of Virginia. He's the lead. Apparently wasn't cool in junior high either. I'm I'm betting. Right. Well, you know, it doesn't say in particular, but uh, he did say he was curious. uh, What's led to the study about like what happened to those kids who were cool in junior high school? Okay, so that's the key age here. They looked at kids that were like 13, 14, and 15 for this study, not the kids that were cool in high school. And they wanted to know what happened to those kids. They were cool. They were good looking. They were totally not you. And he said, they did not turn out that well. And here's why. And I mention this because you may have kids that are heading into junior high school, or maybe you have kids now. Uh, God bless you. It is, it is, it was bad enough when you lived through it. I found going through it as a parent was terrible. (laughs) I hated junior high when my kids were in junior high. It's very emotional time for Mm -hmm. boys and girls and you feel terrible for them because things are happening and kids are look like, you know, girls look like they're 18 and boys look like they're nine or the physically, the really big, the boys that mature early seem to dominate the social life of the class. Whereas the boys that don't mature so quickly, like my son, they can get bullied. It's a very tough time. So Mm -hmm. just take heart parents. If you have a not cool kid who doesn't seem to have a thriving social life, life, he is in much better shape to handle the rest of his life. Because here's what happened. These kids are risk-taking, they're socially precocious, and uh, and they, uh, they tend to gravitate towards older kids, even when they're in junior high school. And as we all know, older kids get them into trouble. Trouble, so, yes. Because even right. though you tell them to walk away from trouble, they walk right into it. Right. Like, yeah. And they do. They think they have to start drinking and smoking and being sexually active earlier because that increases their cool status. And let's face it, you know, we all know these kids in high school, it's usually the ones that are physically mature. And he said, that's the problem. Like, they are not, it's called pseudo-mature is how Dr. Brown mm-hmm. calls it, pseudo-mature. Because uh, he says they are not emotionally equipped to handle, like, being in charge of the social life of the class, which actually kind of happens to them. Uh, I can remember when my kids were in junior high, like the two or three kids that were coupled off, there was a tremendous amount of pressure on them to sort of have a relationship for everybody in the class, you know, that kind of thing. So these kids at 13, 14, 15, they start hanging out with older kids. They get into trouble They're not emotionally able to handle it. And then they get into more serious trouble with drugs, with alcohol, and also with petty crime, Julie. So shoplifting, that that, because that's a a popular, not popular, but that's, you know, it's a risk taking. It's something they can talk about Monday that they did this or they did that or, you know, they vandalized this or they took a few things there. And next thing you know, they're in jail. And so what happens with these kids is they start to plummet in popularity as other kids who are now more emotionally mature and now also physically mature, uh, rise in popularity. They can't handle it. That's when they turn to the drugs and alcohol. And then they do like often turn to a life of crime. (laughs) That's incredible. 
That's it. Sounds terrible. For, I know. I mean, I feel so. I really feel badly for him, even though I never did. But uh, <laughs> that's that's certainly nothing to look forward to. You know. Now, don't worry. The lead uh, researcher said that this pseudo maturity suggests. Uh, that this may happen, but it's not a firm predictor. Okay. Okay. So uh, for every, for the kids that they found that did actually end up not graduating, having trouble with serious drugs and alcohol, also being in jail, there were other kids that were able to make it through and adjust to their difference in popularity. But I just think for parents listening now, just don't pressure your kids to do too much too fast. That was the, the doctor said, that's the lesson from the study. Like if your kids would rather go out with a bunch of friends on a Friday night or have a bunch of people over to watch movies and they're not coupling off and they're not engaging in risky behavior, that's all good stuff. So there you go. Just thought I would mention that. Thought it was interesting. Uh, another study in the New York Times uh, that applied to me. I had to look it up because I'm, I was on my... Uh, was on the one page. Okay. It was about writers and, um, it was about what is actually happening in a writer's brain when they are writing. Okay. So that caught my eye. So they actually were able to conduct MRIs on writers in the middle of their creative process. Uh, which first you mean of they all, just like, uh, they, they got a lot of writers who have free time, right? Or, no. <laughs> Why do you say that? We're I don't, writing. You know we're busy. I mean? you're like in a room and then they put all the notes on them and then they're supposed to be writing their books all to okay yes okay. that's okay. exactly just, what they I'm were doing i'm just envisioning this study this is, okay all right this is uh these are researchers that um let me give me one second here while i pull up the study uh these are researchers that had tried to study creativity in different ways before uh like by looking at you know opera singers and, and what happens to their um to their brain uh, when they're singing. Um, But it's actually hard to do an MRI when someone's like singing an opera. So they actually found that um, with writers, because their work, they can write sort of lying down in an MRI tube that they actually could do this. But what was interesting, (laughs) you couldn't couldn't do I couldn't. So that's what got me, Julie. I was like, okay, I read the first paragraph. I'm like, oh, I'm totally out. (laughs) I could not. Leanne's a little claustrophobic, if not a lot claustrophobic. So the idea that you could be in an MRI tube and then like, Tapping away at your computer? I don't know. I, that's uh, okay. Yeah, couldn't do it. So, uh, but that's why I was interested. But here's the thing: they studied two groups of writers. They studied, um, they studied like professional trained writers. I would be in that category. And then they studied people who were like trying to write their first novel. Okay. And they wanted to study the differences in their brains. Um, and it appears that if you are actually like a trained professional writer, Julie, our brains are firing at a super high level. <laughs> We're like, and I am not surprised about that because I do think that writing is thinking and uh, I'm, I am not, I'm. I'm very pleased to hear that. I have no doubt about that, Leanne. Yeah, they said there were notable differences between the two groups of subjects, the professionally trained writers and the bunch. Scientists said we were we were firing like people who are skilled at other complex actions like music or sports. And that one of the interesting differences was the people who were, quote, trying to write that first novel, they, their brain fired differently in a different sequence. Like they had to, they had to, 
imagine things in their brain, like see it on film before they could actually translate it into words. Whereas the trained professional writers, they sort of skipped over that first step. They didn't need to see a little movie in their head. They went to a section of the brain that is uh, not often used, uh, where that, that would just like firing into creating words like on the paper right away. So... There you go. It's, the, it's magic. Okay, so what are you going to do? What is magic? <laughs> and what are you going to do with that information? Now that you know you're firing at a much higher level than, for let's say, your other sisters who are not uh, trained professional writers. You know what? I actually felt really good about it. I'm like, okay, this makes me feel like I need to buckle down and finish this next book okay. this summer. And okay. I, so I was inspired by this article. I'm like, I'm like on autopilot. I've reached that level of brain development where I'm on autopilot. It shouldn't be that hard to finish this book. I'm just going to buckle down and, and do it. I'm going to, I'm going to lie down in an MRI tube and write that book. So. All right, Leanne. That's the spirit. That's good. Yeah, that's good. On I the other hand, I will say this. It shouldn't be discouraging if you're out there trying to write a novel. Uh, doesn't mean that, like, you're never going to finish the novel or you're never going to reach that level. Because I know I actually use a lot of... Um, you know, a uh, vision. Like I actually, I do a lot of lying in bed in the morning before I write a scene. And I do sort of envision the scene in my head before I put it on paper. So that when I get to the stage where I'm actually putting it on paper, I do just write it. So I don't want people to be depressed if they're trying to write something and their brain is not firing at say the level that mine is firing at. <laughs> I know, Leanne. It's, you're going to be walking taller now that you know that you have this superior brain yeah. activity going on. I'm just, I'm working. I'm like a, I'm like the Michael Jordan. I'm like Michael Jordan. Okay. <laughs> this is what you've always wanted to be, Leanne, is either a rock star, the singer, or, yeah. you know, or the professional athlete. But you have now combined it all into the superior thinking writers. Exactly. So I'm, exactly. Ha I'm happy for you, Leanne. Thanks, you all. Thanks. You just keep churning out those books. So. Well, the, the rest of us who are not professional writers that are operating on sort of a lower mental level might find uh, my, the, the information that I am bringing to this podcast uh, uh, surprising because, Leanne, I have it for us. This is a surprising list of things that you can do with your dishwasher. How's your dishwasher? Is it working these days, Leanne? You know, I have the hard water. So... Uh... <laughs> So my, my dishwasher is hit or miss. I need to like clean it out a lot. So, okay. uh, well, I want you to clean it out because you are, I mean, I think people know that you can use your dishwasher for things other than dishes. You know, this land that you can put, have you ever put a baseball hat, um, uh, or shoes in your dishwasher and clean them? No. Oh, Leon, you got to do that. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, I know you have some dirty shoes, uh, boys, athletic shoes hanging around that house of yours. Okay. I know there are some, or just a baseball hat, put it on the top rack, run the dishes, you know, you get a light cycle. Fine. You are going to be, uh, you're going to be thrilled with the res uh, results. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. You got to put it in your dish. Oh, Leon, I thought you knew all this. Okay. So this is very important information. Fire up that brain of yours. You might even want to write it down, Leon. Write it down. Uh, okay. okay. You know, so, so shoes, hats, visors, this is an excellent way to clean them because it doesn't, you don't want to put them in your washing machine because that, 
the tumbling around, the spinning around, that would ruin the shape. But you can put it right on the top rack of your dishwasher and you, you get some wonderful results, okay? It also works certainly for your refrigerator shelves. Ever clean out your refrigerator? Just stick all the shelves right in the dishwasher. Okay, Boom. that I do do. Okay, okay. Do how do about... How about car parts, Leon? Have you ever done this with car parts? The, you know, you can take hubcaps, cup holders, stick it all in your dishwasher, Leon. No. no keyboard, Leon. How about this? Take take your keyboard, not your laptop, but a separate keyboard. You can um, you can put that in the sanitizing. Yes, sanitizing cycle. Aren't Do it. Aren't there things in there that shouldn't get wet? No, 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 no. Put your keyboard in there. Just do it. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> if it doesn't work, I'm you're gonna you're gonna hear from you're me. gonna hear from me. <laughs> well, this this article I read that said you okay. can. Just you're going to the mat with this one. You're standing. You're standing behind the keyboard thing. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. Okay. Now I, I you know I know we're all, we've talked about germs in the past, but put your sponges in the dishwasher, your combs, your brushes. You know that you can do that. Right on the I, uh, you know what? I just never think to put my brushes or combs in the dishwasher. But you're right, Julie. I should. Yes, and put your sponges in there. They're great. That I do. That Anything, I do. any, like you ever have a lot of grime on the knobs on your, like on your ovens or on your kitchen, you can just run those right through the dishwasher. They come out shiny and clean and get all that, you know, that grime that you're never going to take a toothbrush no. and try to uh, to clean it but that way. But then you have to take them off the... I mean, that's yeah, if work. you can, if you can remove them and then okay. put them back on. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's good. All right. <laughs> so these, these, so this would, I, I would mm-hmm. say that some of that knob work, that's more sort of the intermediate level <laughs> uses for, you know, keyboards, uh, you know, car parts. That's now you're, now you're, you know, thinking outside the box in terms of your dishwasher. But this article that I read that was at Huffington Post, it took it to the next level. Okay. So it said, you know, the other thing that you really need to consider is food items that you can do in your dishwasher. Leanne, you are never going to eat another potato unless you do it in the dishwasher. Okay. Put it in, you put it in the rinse and hold cycle. So you take that dirty potato, okay, you know, take, you know, I, I like the new, the little potatoes. I think it works better. Take those little potatoes. Don't even clean them off. Just stick them on the top rack. Hit that rinse and hold cycle, and you have steamed, hot, delicious potatoes. That is is stupid. I'm sorry. That is like a giant waste of water. No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think you could do a lobster. Totally could do a lobster. I can see that. I can see a lobster. You can have a clam bake in your dishwasher. (gasps) Okay. The lobsters, the clams. Steamers, yeah. Steamers, you can do that. I mean, because they also recommend. Now, I can't see that this would be, you know, that you'd w- want to do it this way every week. But you eat a lot of salmon. You can have, you can just put your salmon in on the sanitized cycle. <laughs> well, I you know can also Liz just put it going... in the oven. I mean, I don't. But but at any time maybe you, maybe your oven isn't working, Leon. You know maybe you're resting your oven. Yes. Well, you're, you're you're it's an emergency. Yes. Okay. okay. You, you know you've got you've got people coming for dinner. They you're they're looking for a salmon dinner. What is the appliance you're going to go to in your kitchen? It's the dishwasher, Leon. It's going Can to. Can you use. imagine if you put down dishwasher cooked salmon in front of a guest and they said, "Oh, how did you cook this?" And you said. <laughs> 
Leanne. on the rinse and hold cycle. What the? They're leaving right oh, yeah. there. Please, they... please don't put soap in when you're cooking the potatoes or the salmon. Okay, do not do. Leon, come on. I mean, you're you're, you're like you're operating at a higher level, intellectual okay. level. Okay, this should be exciting to you that, to think about the possibility appliances. The possibilities. Yeah. I mean, I think our sister Liz is really going to go for this. Yeah. I, you know, because she, she likes to, you know, I think this could really help her out in many cases. She could just, <laughs> you don't think so. <laughs> just, I think if it was Liz, Liz would put everything. She would put the dishes and the salmon and the potatoes <laughs> and the baseball caps. They would all go into the same dishwasher cycle. You know, have you ever seen Liz load a dishwasher? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She just puts like money in the dish. I mean, she puts everything in. <laughs> That's okay. That is a cautionary tale. If Liz Dolan serves you salmon cooked in a dishwasher, do not eat it. Do not touch it. Walk away. Get up from the table. Walk away. So, but uh, I really, go ahead and try some potatoes. Well, I mean, what you know, just try it, Leon. Just try it. All right, Joel. All right. <laughs> wow, that was unexpected. Uh, all right. Surprising. That's it. We are the Satellite Sisters. Um, let's see what's happening. Okay, Julie. We have to talk about the audio books. I know. The people have been great. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned uh, that we were on board with Audible now. So, um, f- you know, for it's a trial run, people. I'll just be honest. It's a, tr- it's a trial run. So the more people that click through and, and try a free audio book, uh, the better for us. You can go to our special Satellite Sisters link audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Liz was asking people on the Facebook page, what have they been listening to? People have embraced it. Uh, I'm glad to see people, Julie, your Sally ride book. Someone, yes. Kim downloaded that. She was listening to that. Uh, Roberta, you downloaded, I see you made an effort. The weird sisters I am the longest date. Way to go, Roberta. And I have really good news because this week I am doing a bunch of interviews with various authors, including Annabelle Gerwich, who wrote I See You Made an Effort, and the very funny Cindy Chupak of The Longest Date. So those books available at Audible if you're interested. People were on it. Glitter and Glue. Is that the one you recommended, Julie? Glitter and Glue? Yes, I recommended that book. It's a really, it's a charming, heartwarming story. Yes. Okay. I like that Joanne getting ready for Outlander, the Outlander uh, TV series. Joanne, mm-hmm. good job. She, <laughs> she, she outloaded it. She downloaded that at Audible and then realized it was 33 hours long. Yes, those are Ooh. very long books. So you Ooh. might just want to wait for the TV so you can see the men in kilts. That will be excellent. Uh, Grace downloaded Delicious by Ruth Reichel. She loved the audio version. That's one I recommended on our summer reading list. So lots of good downloads here. So again, that uh, is still available. If you're new to Audible and you want a free download, you want to try it out, audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. And I'll, I'll put that, that link is around at various places, the Facebook page, our website, but get ready. Cause Julie, tomorrow I'm talking to Annabelle Gerwich, Cindy Chupak, and then Amy Alcon, who's written a very funny sort of up-to-date etiquette book. 
Um, oh, that sounds good, Lane. Yeah. I look forward to hearing all of yeah. those. Yeah, so, and I'll, I'll record them tomorrow, but it'll take me a while to edit, and then so I'll post those next week. Over the 4th of July holiday, don't worry, there will be, uh, there will be new Satellite Sisters to listen to. So that's what I'm doing. And then Thursday, I'm busy this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vacation's over. Uh, yes. And thank goodness I don't have pink eye. That's all I can say, because then... <laughs> On Thursday uh, in the morning or at lunchtime, I'm hosting a panel discussion, Julie, with Good. three local, um, not three Southern California-based um, female philanthropists. Oh. And I will tell you all about it next Tuesday because I did the pre-interviews before I left. These are really fascinating, interesting women, all of whom either started foundations or run existing uh, philanthropic organizations. They all Good have... Them. So really varied background. Some of them came to this work very personally. Others sort of, you know, came to it from a professional standpoint. Uh, so I'm going to tell you all about that next week. But that's uh, Thursday. I'm the host of the panel discussion there. And then Thursday evening, I'm doing a, <laughs> you know, I, I donate a lot of um, book clubs to auctions, like yes. char- charity auctions. Yeah. And then I pray that people don't call me. I'll be honest. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> they called you? They oh, yeah, you. they called. Okay. Happy to do it, but it's at her beach house, uh, the hostess's beach house. So I have to drive to the beach house, and I was going to spend the night at the beach house, but, of course, it's the night that my husband's going to be out of town, and we have some things going on here. So I have to drive home that night. So it's a, Thursday's a long day. <laughs> so Okay. I'm right, busy well. this week. Vacation uh, is over. A, I think you need a salmon and potato dinner, Liam. <laughs> that's what I, that's I, what I think. I think that's what she'll serve. <laughs> At the book club. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, try it. All right. You busy? So you're just recovering this week. You really can't yes, go I, anywhere or touch end. anyone. Yeah. Um, I'm trying not to touch people. I'm staying out of public places. I was sheltering in place, uh, Leon, uh, because... <laughs> Because you because look not bad. so much even the conjunctivitis. I was worried about this cellulitis, you know, and and so it was... I had a I had a worrisome twenty four hour period because she said if I felt any eye pain go directly to the emergency room. So she they weren't kidding about this. So yeah, well as I learned with the the MERS whatever yes. I had last year the MRSA uh, that you know infections are serious are serious business. You don't want to fool yes. around with infections. So or do self diagnosis. That's that's my big lesson. All right, okay. Julie. Well, shelter in place for the big U.S. game on Thursday. Uh, I I'm going to be busy, so unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to watch it live. But um, we did have the experience of collectively watching the game <laughs> against Portugal on the plane ride home. Because I was so worried that you, t- your family, because you're such avid, uh, you know, football or soccer fans, I was worried you were going to get kicked off the plane. You know what? It was, we were on JetBlue. So everyone had individual monitors. I've never flown JetBlue. I'd like to take back every mean thing I ever said about them. This is an excellent airline. Um, I was very suspicious of JetBlue, but now I'm on board. We all had our own TVs and we were not the only soccer fans. Like we boarded the plane at five, the game started at six. So as, and there were collective cheers, like when the first goal was scored, a big collective cheer, people couldn't hold it in. You could hear yes. the people like watching the game. And then I saw more TV screens switch to the World Cup game. And then when they scored the second goal, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, the, the huge cheer went up. Everyone was clapping and hooping and hollering. And then in the last 15 seconds, when, oh, when Portugal tied it up, uh, really the whole plane just groaned. So uh, 
I just can't believe it. We're I can't good. believe I, it. No. I, it's all right, Liam. It's we're just we're still in it. We're going you know, on to Germany. We That's can all. do it, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Germany. It's just you're going to have to play someone hard if you're going to want to win, if you want to win the World Cup, Liam. That's that's my opinion. Julie, those are words to live by. Words. To... Thank you. Thank you. Thank All you. right. It's Tuesday, Liam. That's the kind of that's the kind of advice I give out. OK. Oh, the best line at the Satellite Sisters meetup was, Julie, who said to you, Julie, is there nothing you won't give advice on? That's right. That's. And I think she meant it in a very kind way, Lee. But of course, all my sisters, you hear this, were just howling and cackling. And they've been mocking me ever since. All week long. Nana was in full advice mode. Is there yep. nothing you won't give advice on? Right. It's my job as the oldest sister. There you go. Keep it up, Joel. Keep okay. it up. All, all right. right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>